This is illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book. I watched a movie. This week we're doing Windy. If you haven't heard, Windy is also Peter Pan. Peter Pan this week, ladies and gentlemen. This has been done and redone in every form and fashion you can imagine, but there is a new telling a critically acclaimed director of Beast of the Southern Wild, which came out a few years ago, 2012 to be exact, has gone on and done a new version of Peter Pan, a reimagining. And so we are delving into the world of Peter Pan this week, ladies and gentlemen. Peter Pan, written originally by J.M. Barry. Interesting that the new movie is all about Wendy and called Wendy because Mm. Uh first instance of the name Wendy. From Peter Pan. What? (laughs) He popularized the name. It appears scattershot throughout history, and some people think it's a derivation of the Scottish name Gwendolyn, but he Mm. got it from a younger child who called him Friendy, like he was her friend, but she had an RW lisp, so it was Fwendy. I was going to hope you were say Frosty. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, not not in use and not popular at all before this story, but wow. the name Wendy became extremely popular after the play version of Peter Pan wow. came out. No idea. I just, yeah. Yeah, wow. Just <laughs> the roots of Wendy, yeah. the name, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> J.M. Barry, sort of an odd dude. He is very well connected in the literary world of London and Scotland just for some name drops. He corresponded with Robert Louis Stevenson Mm. when he was in Samoa. He was neighbors with George Bernard Shaw, the famous playwright. He knew Thomas Hardy, the Victorian novelist. He was friends with the guy Robert Scott, who was the leader of the famous failed Antarctic South Pole expedition. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that guy- Oh, man. He became the the godfather of that guy's kids in one of his letters- (gasps) Like the week before it all went south, he oh asked gosh. Barry to take care of his wife and son. Oh, my God. This uh, J.M. Barry, he founded an amateur cricket team. Some people on this cricket team over the years, H.G. Wells. What? <laughs> Rudyard Kipling, Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, G.K. Chesterton, A.A. A. Milne, who did Winnie the Pooh, Walter Raleigh, and the son of Alfred Lord Tennyson. This is the Space Jam of literature <laughs> up in this piece, baby. So he knows all these people. He's super in, super big, super popular. But as we get in, you'll see he's kind of an odd dude, or there's some questionable things in his life oh, man. which make him able to write this this odd story, Peter Pan. Which, as I as I assume we're going to see, that just depending on who that this idea has gone through, this can go into some dark places, yeah. some, some light places. The metaphor of the boy who can never grow up can be taken a few different ways. Mm-hmm. The start of the boy who couldn't grow up, the big incident that people say he had an older brother who died in an ice skating accident when the the brother was 13. The mom never really recovered. So J.M. Barry tries to be his brother, essentially, going so far even as to wear his brother's clothes. Oh, no. And this, a lot of people think, is where maybe the impetus for Peter Pan is in the fact that like his brother did never get to grow up and in his mother's mind was forever a child, and he could not fill those shoes being the younger brother. Absolutely. I could see that as being just a, a major uh, coping mechanism as you're trying to traverse life now without this without this person. This this is very interesting. I want to come yeah. back to that, pers- that, that point later. Yeah. He uh, went to university, moved to London, rose up the ranks writing for newspapers, journals, wrote a ton of books and plays, which were very popular, got married, was a complete failure. But a lot of people think... He perhaps 
was asexual or just completely not interested in any sort mm. of sexuality because according to his asexual? wife mm-hmm, wow his wife they didn't even consummate their marriage really yeah but he married this girl probably out of tradition or Pressure, the necessity yeah, yeah. of the time a book that he wrote in that time was called Tommy and Grizel which is about a writer in an unhappy marriage and literally mm-hmm. in the text is it mentions that he's a boy who hasn't grown up. Oh my gosh. A lot of the stuff he writes ends up being direct reflection of him oh, <laughs> and wow. what he's going through. A stifled childhood perhaps. Yeah. Wow. That So mm. yeah. So in this time he's very very alone even though he's married, writing a lot. He spends a lot of time walking in Kensington Gardens, which is this famous mm. big park in London, and he meets these three little boys George, Jack, and Peter in 1897. The nanny is with him. Clearly, JM is not one of the grown-ups, but it's interesting because one of the guys was able to be interviewed for this thing that they made called The Lost Boys, which is a BBC miniseries or whatever. And he says that there was no foolishness going on. Like you'd think like, oh, maybe he's a pedophile or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. why is he hanging out with these three little yeah, boys and yeah. everybody's okay with it? But he was just like, they called him Uncle Jim and he was just like an uncle hmm. to them. Later, he meets the mother of them at a fancy function, and she can't believe that the guy who's been hanging out with her kids is this famous author oh, wow. that everybody yeah. knows. You know, So she welcomes him into the family. Odd, because she already has a husband. He already has a wife. He's not even really interested in her. Sylvia is her name. He just wants to hang out with them and raise them. It's like Michael Jackson if he wasn't terrifying and had malicious intent. Right, right. Because, yeah, like I said, in all the research and the literature and the back and forth, he's an odd dude, but there's never any sexual tendencies or passes towards anyone. That's fascinating. Wives, that's, kids. That's amazing. Yeah, anyone. This is where he gets the story for Peter Pan, and it comes out. The original book is called The Little White Bird that came out in 1902. It's a novel, and the narrator is a bachelor who lives close to London's Kensington Gardens, oh, no. meets a small boy and charms him oh, with his God, stories. May <laughs> develop a relation. One of these stories is about a runaway baby named Peter Pan who lives among the birds and fairies in Kensington uh-huh. Gardens. So the original one, he's actually okay. just like a baby who flies out of the nursery has these adventures in Kensington Gardens, tries to come back, but the door to the nursery is locked and the mother has already had another oh. kid and given up on him. Oh, no. Is there a Johnny Depp film where he's playing? Yeah, it's yeah. called Finding Neverland. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's the life of this guy, J.M. Barry. It's like a glitzed up, sugar-coated version yeah. of it that doesn't I'm express now. the oddities entirely. One of the things that they do put in is that the father of these kids is dead. So he becomes more of like a father figure, uh, which see. was not the case uh-huh. okay. in the That's actual how thing. they but narratively that, get right. away with it in the cinema version. <laughs> right, like, right. It's, it, it wasn't weird. How can we he's make a, sure it's not yeah. weird? Okay, he's a okay, lonely okay. bachelor and this is a lonely widow. No, <laughs> right. no, no. They were both married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was just weirder than it <laughs> seemed. <laughs> right. The origin of Peter Pan, the name, Peter is clearly... Peter, one of the kids that he was hanging out yeah. with. Pan is the Greek goat god, half goat character, you know, the pan flute with oh, the seven things and all ah. that. The god of wilderness, vitality, energy. He's a leader of a band of satyrs, which are the, the creatures of the half man, half goat. It's where we get the word panic 
because of the raucous woodland noises mm. that they would make come from Pan. Oh, fantastic. I see. Um, the one thing he doesn't put in there is they're very lewd and lascivious and all that. But- and Peter Pan is completely asexual and sees Wendy more as a mother, mm-hmm. though in certain versions they have had kind of, oh, is yeah. there a thing between yeah, Wendy yeah. and Peter Pan? So he's working on the play version of it, and that comes out in 1904. Huge risk for this guy, Frommen, who ends up being the producer of the play. Okay. Because there's 50 different characters. There's actors swinging from wires. There's a portion where Tinkerbell goes south and they ask the audience to clap if they believe in fairies. And Frommen told the orchestra, it's like, put your instruments down. Be ready to like clap because we don't know if people are going to be into this. (laughs) We got to get people on this. Yeah. (laughs) This has to work, Barry. But it it was a huge success when it came out. The notes from the play, which I'll post a link to all the all the research that I found for this, when he was writing it on a bench in Kensington Gardens, the first draft of the play doesn't have any Captain Hook. And oh. in his notes for Peter, it's Peter, a demon boy, and then in parentheses, villain of the story. Like that's how he wrote Peter Pan originally. The reason Captain Hook is involved is because in the play, they needed what's called a front cloth scene. So it's where you drop the whole front cloth because they Uh, needed time to change the scenery from Neverland back to the nursery. Right. So he put in Act 5 where it's the pirate ship and they just have this random encounter (laughs) with pirates (laughs) before he flies them back to the nursery room. He had also written in these notes where Peter Pan is the villain, he had put pirate captain hyphen Miss Dorothy Baird, who was the actress playing Mrs. Darling. But Gerald, who was the guy who played Mr. Darling, petitioned for him to be the pirate captain. And now that is the standard in the in the play. And that's, that's how like it's done. The standard of the trope is that the dad symbolizes yeah. the captain and yeah. they're like the same sort of metaphorical, evil, bad, frou-frou character, but it was originally the mom. Uh And so the original title of the play was Peter Pan, or The Boy Who Hated Mothers. Uh. Frommen, the producer, suggested he change that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Because mothers are bringing their kids to see this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he suggested to change it to The Boy Who Couldn't Grow Up. And then... He was like, well, that doesn't really work either. So the couldn't became wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So then it's the boy who wouldn't grow up. Mm. When Says the pl- a lot yeah. different, doesn't it? Yeah. When the play was being made, the the actual Davies, the Llewellyn Davies family with the boys moved 25 miles away from London, but he was still visiting them as often as he could. Arthur, the dad, gets cancer and Barry goes and tends to him, pays for it all. Mm. Which proves that he's not just like some weirdo in it to be around these kids. He's like supporting the whole family. family, And he's making a ton of money, so he's supporting them. Sylvia, the mom, moves back to London with the kids. All this time, who could have guessed? J.M. Barry's wife is having an affair, so they divorce. Oh, no. Because he's not providing anything. The next year, Sylvia also dies of cancer. Oh, my god! After the divorce. No. So he gets custody of the kids. Or is or is involved as much as he can. Yeah, uh, he finishes the novel version of the book, so he turned it into a novel. Okay. called Peter and Wendy, which yeah. came out in 1911. Around this time, World War One is happening. Now the boys are grown up. In such a short span of time, George, one of the boys, dies in the war. Oh no! In World War One. Oh, gosh. Sylvia's brother, who was the actor who played Captain Hook, yeah, also died in the war. Oh. No. Frommen, the play producer 
died in the sinking of the Lusitania. What? He was on the sister <laughs> ship to the Titanic? Yeah. He was that got sunk oh by the German God. U-boats. He yeah. was on that ship. He uh. died. And then Michael, one of the other boys, died in a swimming accident, which some people thought maybe was a suicide because there was another kid involved. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, what tragedy. Yeah. So he has he goes kind of into a into a panic, still oh, continues to write gosh. things. In part of the the novel, which I read, the Peter and Wendy one, Peter says at a certain point, he says, to die would be an awfully big adventure. Mm. And I know that in the movie Hook, Peter also uses that. But I know- in the, Turns it into to live. Well, he says die, Does he say in, die? in I Hook. Thought the, yeah. I thought I was just watching it this morning, oh. just kind of a little bit of a refresher. But at the end, they, they say, uh, and it's kind of reiterated in Wendy, but that, right. that growing up is the biggest adventure that right. you could go on. Yeah, and that that is transmuted and changed, I know, definitely in Wendy. But that is a, is a very famous line, but it tinges his whole life with a bit of melancholy because yeah. it's like, well, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you think like... Peter Pan is such a child. He's so confused with yeah. life versus death. Like if he would just figure out what it means to grow up, yeah. then he would see that living is the adventure. Yeah. Moving past childhood. So you have seen this movie, Wendy, which takes it in a more... It's a whole new reimagining. Yeah. This follows Wendy and her uh, twin brothers. They live in a, a little restaurant uh, next to a train station. Mm-hmm. Really, immediately, the film sets up this juxtaposition of of younger versus older, and what happens in between, and why is there such a, a divide there yeah. between. One night, uh, train stops outside of the station, right by their window, and there is another child. On board, gets their attention. It's crazy. They follow him. It's in, and immediately you're just kind of just, it's a whimsical rush that you yeah. just get swept on out the window of this child's bedroom and onto a train going down the tracks. And now we're, we're child marauders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they meet Peter. Uh, this, uh, he's a Caribbean boy who is uh, on the train. Eventually, uh, Peter tricks them out of the train. They they get, they fall into a body of water. They they meet another kid there waiting with a canoe. They canoe all the way out to Neverland, this mm. magical island out in the middle of the uh, of the ocean that has a beautiful, beautiful volcano on it. Uh, and the production meet... was actually there, correct? Yes, this, or, it's yeah. all shot in in real locations. So the train yard was in Louisiana. And then they went to the Caribbean for everything else uh, and shot everything totally in in real locations. And I have to say right off the bat that the beauty, the visual beauty uh, and visual metaphor that they pull off with this film is the number one thing about it. It is sweepingly gorgeous. Mm. Uh, And it has a score by uh, Dan Romer that that matches that. And I think, if anything, it could get nominated for Best Score Mm. uh, at this year's Academy Awards. But yeah, uh, uh, so they they they're connected with everything, and it's just this this magicism like in the wind, basically. And uh-huh. then Peter takes Wendy and shows her this creature that lives in the caves in the water un- underneath the shore. This is Mother. Uh, this is this iridescent whale, uh, coral type looking whale. It's beautiful, and this is supposed to be where all of the magic lives like all the fairy pixie dust all of the magic and this is what's keeping the lost boys young you learn that there okay so this is kind of the heart for it all the mother the heart yeah um and they make those comparisons outright it's right on the surface that that's what this is supposed to be um and 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 it's it's got a, a simplicity that washes over it like that with everything like you 
it it is it can be it can be long at times it can be a little bit meandering at times but it is very simple and what pieces are what and trying to make very big themes very simply to your face like and this director is kind of an artistic director oh yeah so Beast of the Southern Wild, we'll touch on that just briefly. This director's first feature was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actress. Best Actress, actually, uh, they made history because the girl that they cast for that uh, became the youngest actress ever nominated for an Academy Award. And she's actually an author, a two-time author. She Mm. has two uh, young adult books. So like that shot her into into stardom. Uh, It was also nominated for Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay. It was adapted from a one-act play. And that just put them on the map. But immediately, they went into making this. It has been since 2012, since Ben has made a movie, because they have been planning this strategically to get it done with this cast at the right time and come out at the right time. Also, kids grow up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they, they, they actually cast all these kids when they were like six or seven uh, and then shot the film a couple years after that so they oh, could all wow. time out perfectly. They, they found all the kids strategically so that they would time out to be what they needed to be when they started production. Wild. It was kind of wild. The director said that like, not only were the kids changing all the time, but the but the locations were changing all the time. They would plan to set up on a beach, go and have lunch, come back. The beach would be gone. You know, <laughs> it would just look totally. You know, and every day the kids were evolving and changing. And they said that that constantly affected the script. Apparently, the script was totally fluid. Um, yeah, totally trying to figure out new, just living on on what was happening there in the moment. They said the set was like a playground. Just these, all these kids are newcomers. There's almost no, I, I, I there's no face that I recognize here. Yeah. Non-actors that they trained, got ready for this film. Peter, uh, played by Joshua Mack, is from the Caribbean. He's incredible. He has a power about his, he has a presence on screen. He's really, really, it's pretty staggering. Um, but yeah, right there from the Caribbean, it's yeah. so natural. It's so lush. It's, it's I'd so I'd seen beautiful. a thing about that where the, he had said that they had tried to cast like 1,500 different kids. Oh my gosh, from Louisiana I can imagine, for yeah. this. Then they were on the island and they were like, and he was like, you, I need somebody who like, if this is going to be the the dude who knows the island and can just act like a kid and play, it should be a kid who actually has lived here and traipsed through these forests Such a smart and decision. played because somebody that you pull from the US or some random kid is not going to feel not comfortable, comfortable yep. clambering around. He's not going to be the leader of the this troop. This kid is natural and and, and, and it leads that group. I mean, yeah. it's such a smart decision. I mean, I and a bit of a departure because Japan is not supposed to be from Neverland classically. Uh, <laughs> right. And so it, they He's went out of British their... He's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In this one, they went out of their way to say, no, he is of Neverland. He lives mm-hmm. on that. That is... He's from here and he's going to help show the other kids what magic is here. But anyway, in the story, um, as Pan is showing um, Wendy and her brothers the magic of the island, um, they're kind of startled by an old man. Very suddenly, very old person in their in their <laughs> camp. Oh, my God, I haven't seen another person here, let alone an old an adult at yeah. all for like the last 30 minutes of this film. Um, so they're all kind of shocked and they chase this old man out. And we we realize that. The old man here used to be a lost boy because mm. one some one of the other characters is saying, that's that's Bonzo. No, that's not Bonzo. The other kids are like saying, no, no way. As this old man is like de- totally defeated, old man is walking away to like his donkey where he has like his supplies out in the distance. And you hear him say, it's like, I am Bonzo. Mm-hmm. And, and you start to realize, oh, my God, 
he he and then and Wendy like leans into one of the others like what happened to him? It's like oh he lost his best friend and couldn't stop it, which mm. I thought I instantly I'm like oh my god, it was the most succinct moment of trauma. Yeah, just with a just with a child sentence, I got it all. It was it was so beautiful. It was like, oh mm. he he was disillusioned by loss. Mm-hmm. And 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 grew up, and he couldn't stop it. Yeah. I went, oh my god, that that's one of the strongest po- points of this entire film. And they take this then and throw it into the third act because now you have your your Captain Hook, his pirates, the old people who are now trying to capture the mother to harness to to kill her to to harness the magic so they can go back to the way they were. Yeah. And I thought at that moment, I'm like, man, this is why this director needs to be doing this material. This is crazy, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it's so simple. This could be done. I mean, it really could be could be done on a stage. Um, yeah. It was just, I think, by the grace of God that this was cinema and a movie because <laughs> it's gorgeous too because we're in these real places yeah. doing these things with these light metaphors and it's just gorgeous through and through. It's not, it doesn't quite get to the to the level of Beast of the Southern Wild, uh-huh. but it definitely has a certain beauty that is, uh, y- you can't take it away. Yeah. But it ends with them getting back. It brings you into footage of a birthday party. Seemingly that they have gone back. Wendy is back. The brother's back. And we're seeing the Lost Boys. And we're seeing the old people that were the pirates with Captain Hook. And now I'm starting to put together that, oh, we're all of these children and all of these older people. The people in the diner at the very, very beginning. Is, is he Wizard of Ozing it mm-hmm. right now? Right. Um, like like uh, Mr. Darling and Captain Hook being the same person in the play. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It 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 started to to touch on that level, and I couldn't I couldn't quite tell if he was saying they all went home with Wendy and and uh, and Douglas, or if metaphorically they were always there. And we're just talking about the people that we have in our life uh, and what they mean and what we're all going through. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure exactly what it was saying, but I thought either way, it really really worked. It was really beautiful, and it goes through montage of Wendy and her brother growing up having kids, taking over the restaurant. Now, Wendy has a child, and one night after she puts her child to bed, a train stops outside, and she looks in her daughter's bedroom. (laughs) No daughter. Oh, my God. She runs outside. The train's going. There's Peter, still a child, Mm -hmm. uh, with her daughter. They're going down the tracks, and they cut back. and Kind of like Togo, it got me. They cut back (laughs) as the mom running after it, and in the light, goes under shadow light again they go to a shot of her as a child running yeah. after the train and i went yeah 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 i like jumped out of my chair i went yeah that's it because at that moment i start wondering like is she running to stop them to get her child or is she running to get on the train yeah. and i love thinking of it both ways and i love thinking of maybe the character doesn't know so i yeah. thought that was particularly beautiful yeah to be where the movie ends yeah so with the original story Four years after the premiere of the play, J.M. Barry wrote an additional scene called When Wendy Grew Up. This was also later included in the final chapter of Peter and Wendy, the book that I read. Peter returns for Wendy years later. She's grown up. She has a daughter named Jane. She's married one of the Lost Boys. Mm. Peter is confused because it's like, Wendy, what happened? She's like, I'm old. I got married. I don't remember Neverland anymore. Yeah. And Jane is like, what about, you know, trying to trying to get her to remember the story? And she's like, I don't even know if that happened or if right. I made that up. Peter takes Jane off to Neverland mm-hmm. again. And then in just in the next sentences, it's like, 
and Wendy got white-haired, and Jane grows up and has a daughter named Margaret, and Margaret goes with Peter as well. So it's like it never ends. And the last line of the book is, the cycle will go on as long as children are gay and innocent and heartless, hmm. which is an odd last word to use to say they're they're heartless. Yeah. So I looked this up, and it, it, it is like 99% what we think of the word. But it also, in that time, meant something similar to like lacking understanding. And that really right. is the crucial right. theme behind it. It's like, yeah, a kid is heartless because kids don't understand loss yeah. because they yeah. haven't experienced yeah. it. So to grow up is to lose that naivety. It's not like they're evil. Yes. Like Peter Pan is the villain, but it's just because he's heartless in the sense that he doesn't want a mom. He they doesn't want grown he that empathy yet. Yeah, yeah. They and they don't they don't have the foresight to understand the implications of what they're doing right now. Yeah, it's it's a double edged sword. I mean, it, it, it's it's a wonderful thing to hold on to your childlike wonder. You know, in in ways you can look at that as as a, as a great thing, incredible thing, yeah. holding on to your to your creativity, your personality, all those types of things. But then you can take it too far to that other edge where. Or you're stifled and you never became a full human being and you never lived a full, meaningful life because you denied the natural progression of the the journey you are on. And you don't know the consequences of your actions. Yeah. Peter Pan is is a hellion in the book. <laughs> you know, he's just caught he doesn't care about what anybody yeah. thinks or says or anything, doesn't even remember what he said five minutes ago. He's just so It's it's great to have a character where you can go, isn't that great and isn't that sad all at the same time? Yeah. But I, I thought particularly with with Win, with Wendy what it said about trauma, about what happens in between young and old, yeah, and why they feel so far apart. That's so much of the, of the meat of this film thematically is they they can't talk. They've forgotten how to talk to each other, uh, young people and old people. Mm. Uh, and if they could bridge that gap and work together, uh, you would realize that being a kid is almost like a frame of mind. Yeah, I did look into the cultural relevance of Peter Pan. And there was one situation regarding his name that I thought was astounding that probably nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a 1960 classic, the 60s. Oh, God. Communism is rampant or about to become insane in Cuba. So parents were super scared there because they had been shutting down schools, turning them into youth camps, or just straight up sending kids to the Soviet what? Union. What? So they were like, we can't be doing this. So the U.S., in a rare, I guess nowadays rare, collaboration on mass immigration, had this mass exodus of Cuban children. Over 14,000 unaccompanied minors oh were gosh. flown from 1960 to 1962 into Miami, and then either met with parents or, or family that they already had, or dispersed to various homes what? and facilities around the country. And then in the intervening 10 years, 90% of the kids ended up getting reunited with their families who were able to also come over. What in the world? But from that span of time, and that was called Operation Peter Pan. What? Because it was literally <laughs> Flying Children. That was the code name that it was. What? Because <laughs> they were working with the U.S. Embassy in Cuba oh. and giving them visas and getting them over. Oh, my God. Interestingly... <laughs> There was the one sixties, dude. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. What in the world? There was one kid who was a part of this who I think didn't have family just yet there. So he went to Maryland, and then they put brought him over to New Mexico, and he grew up and married this woman who had just divorced and had a three year old son, 
And he ended up raising this kid for the rest of his life. The kid who came over on Operation Peter Pan is Miguel Bezos, who is Jeff Bezos's stepdad who actually raised him. And that's why he took his stepdad's name. He he didn't know his real dad because his real dad left. But this guy, who is the father of Jeff Bezos, uh, came over on this Operation (laughs) Peter Peter Pan. Pan. Peter Pan gave us Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now it's flying stuff everywhere. (laughs) Magically. Right to your bedroom window. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I just thought that was wild. And most people didn't That's know wild. about Operation Peter Pan until Never heard much, of it. much later. And yeah. I'm all about that. I'm all about the, the <laughs> what was going on with, what was the government doing in 1960? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's fast. That's amazing. And while we're talking about the subject, Disney released their uh, announcements for the casting decisions for their new live action Peter Pan. Classic. Um, uh, shocker, they're newcomers, so they've not been in anything. Uh, but the 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 one that they have tapped for Wendy, she's also going to be starring as the younger version of Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow, the Marvel oh, okay. film. So interesting, they got her. They got a one-two switch on that one. Uh, but if you want to see one week. where the kids actually go outside the entire time they filmed. Wendy just came out because certainly for the new Peter Pan. Oh my God! Yeah, it's so be all on a green you know, screen. <laughs> we, we saw Wendy on the schedule and we were like, Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the reviews are, it's it's really avant garde. Uh, but then we thought, Well, yeah, they are going to be doing another version here within the next year or two. When we weren't sure of the timing of that, you know, and we said, Well, we can't do every Disney it's remake styrofoam version. Of yeah. yeah, and so we we said it would be a better chance to just let's do this indie film, uh, the Sundance. It just premiered at Sundance by the way at January. So this is like fresh, 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 brand new stuff. Um, so we thought this would be a much more interesting way to talk about Peter Pan and everything that Peter Pan is um, than, you know, doing another Disney. Uh, why are they doing this episode? <laughs> right. But we'll mention it when that comes around, I'm sure. Uh, we'll see how that one turns out. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening again. And we will catch you all next week.